today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. Lives fall apart, health fails, finances go out the window, jobs are shut down, Uh, relationships are broken. Anything and everything that you can see here in this world, man, it's only for a moment. It's a temporary thing. And if your peace is found in the circumstance that you find yourself, beloved, you're going to lose that peace. But if your peace is found in Christ, then in the midst of the circumstances, in the midst of the trials, you can still have peace. Jesus promised that in this world, we would have tribulation. Loss of loved ones, sickness, financial difficulties, persecution, all prove Jesus' words right. And if we look to this world for peace and happiness, we will be disappointed. In today's message, Pastor David reminds us that we can't look into this world for peace. We must transfer our trust from the fleeting things of life and put our faith, hope, and trust in God if we want to be truly happy and fulfilled. Only God is the rock that cannot move. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message entitled, The God of Our Battles. It says all of its men were mighty. And now they forged together and they're already coming now as a threat with the army of Israel. So Adonai Zedek, he calls all these other kings to come along, these kings of these little cities. And again, as I shared at the beginning of Joshua, we think of kings and kingdoms, we think of large land masses, but that's not the way that they were here. It would be a large city or a good-sized city or an area, but not the kind of kings that we think about. These are just the leaders, the power brokers of these cities. He calls them all together, Hoham the king of Hebron, and Piram the king of Jarmuth, and Japhia king of Lachish, and Deber king of Eglon. These five kings come all together, and they go down to Gibeon. They go down and they want to take them out as quick as possible. Because I know, man, if, if we wait until the Israelites get there, uh, we'll be in real trouble. So they go down, they converge upon them, but apparently a, a Gibeon messenger slipped out the back door, went on down to Gilgal, and told Joshua again that uh, that they're coming uh, against them. And they went to Joshua at the camp of Gilgal. They said, don't leave us here by ourselves. You need to come quickly because we're being attacked by all of the kings of the Amorites. There in verse 6, the men of Gibeon sent to Joshua at the camp of Gilgal saying, Don't forsake your servants. Come to us quickly. Save us, help us, for all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the mountains have gathered together against us. Because Joshua and the people of Israel vowed a vow. They made this covenant agreement with these people to maintain peace, not only them with them, but also to protect them and cover over them. Now, he could have delayed his response. He could have said, okay, we'll be there in the next day or two. 
I'll fulfill my vow in the next day or two. I'll live up to my covenant with you, but, you know, it's going to take us a while to get everybody together. Uh, and by then, the Gibeonites would be gone. They wouldn't have had to worry about them anymore. You realize he could have done that. He could have even ignored their request. But because Joshua was a man of his word, he was a man of honor, because he had promised before God that he would do this thing, that he would protect these people, he went to assist them. This time, apparently, Joshua did seek the mind of the Lord. Look at what it says in verse 7. So Joshua ascended from Gilgal, and it's because Gilgal was down in the plains there, the the flat area of the Jordan Valley. They had to go up the mountain to get to uh, Gibeon. They ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said to him, don't fear them. For I've delivered them into your hand, and not a man of them will stand before you. Joshua, therefore, came upon them suddenly, having marched all night from Gilgal. That's commitment. I don't know if you see that commitment, but this guy came and says, you've got to help us because they're going to kill us. And he rallied the troops. They marched all night to get there. Now, when you think about it, if you're going to go into battle... Do you want your men to march all night and then go into battle? That doesn't make much sense. But God had encouraged him and strengthened him and said, don't fear this thing, just go and I'll take care of this. So Joshua, again, a man of commitment, a man of honor, the leader, gathers all of his warriors and all night long they march up to get up to Gibeon. When you have that kind of a word going for you and you know the backing of God in your life, Why would you fear? If you know that God is for you, you know that God is leading you, you know that God has promised to protect you and watch over you and keep you, why why would you stop? Really, if God has declared to you that he would fight this battle for you, wouldn't it have been kind of silly for for Joshua to stop in the pursuit, to, to just roll up in the fetal position and sing some kind of song of woe, saying, oh, you know, woe is me, woe is me, or gloom, despair, agony on me, deep, dark depression, excessive misery. And yet some Christians do that. Some of us as believers will do that. When the enemy comes, we're so overwhelmed by it. Rather than being bold in Christ and understanding, you know what? I'm a child of the King. My God is greater by far than anything that's going to come and attack me. I think we all know some Christians who, when the enemy comes, they just fall all apart. Or they walk in continual gloom and despair without the joy, without the fullness of the Lord. Does that mean that they're the only ones that have had problems in their lives? No, I think that probably most believers have had problems. Have some problems been bigger than others? Of course. There's no doubt about that. But beloved, don't forget the promises of God in your life. Don't negate the power of God working in your life, even in the midst of these things that seem to be so overwhelming. We need to get our eyes on that promise of the Lord. Look at these with me for a moment as we pause here from Joshua 10. Look with me at a couple of verses. Isaiah 54, 17. Turn there if you would, or you can write it down. Isaiah 54, verse 17. 
The word declares there that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage, what? Of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness, Lord says, is from me. My righteousness isn't because I'm always doing the right thing. My righteousness is found in Christ. And the enemy is going to come and he's going to point out this failure and that failure and, and that scar and that piece of luggage that I'm carrying. And say, see, you can't do these things. And he's going to bring in an attack and he just expects us as believers to kind of fold up in that fetal position and just not do anything. But yet the Word of God tells us that no weapon that's formed against you will stand. That there's no judgment that's going to come to you. And this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Now you might say, yeah, pastor, that's that's really a great verse. But that's an Old Testament verse. Isn't that just for Israel? Well, the principle is no doubt, I believe, for all the servants of the Lord. But to help you grab that a little bit better... Let's look at a few New Testament verses, if you would. Go to Romans chapter 8, a very familiar verse, or at least it should be. I want it to be very familiar verse to you. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 37. Paul writes that in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Let me stop right there. We, as believers, as believers in Christ, as men and women and young people who have given their hearts and life to Christ, Paul says that we are more than conquerors. And how is that even possible? Through Him who loved us. Through Him who loved us. And then he goes on to say, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. When you and I are being attacked by the enemy, or there is a battle in front of us, and we're, man, I've got to be pressing into this thing. We need to be able to press in with great boldness. And the courage that comes from the Lord, not in our own strength, but in the strength of the Lord through Him who loved us. It's not only in Romans, but look down in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 57. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57, Paul writes again. He says, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, beloved, that's not just an Old Testament understanding. That's a New Testament lifestyle that you and I can walk in victory rather than the overwhelming burden of the attack of the enemy that can come on us at any point in time, that we can walk as victors. He says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. In other words, he says, when the enemy comes and pushes, you stand. When the attack of the enemy comes against you, you remain immovable. Because your strength is in him, in the Lord. 
Your strength is found in the Lord who loves you, who has the might, who has the power to surround you and to keep you and to uphold you. He's the one who knows every situation that you're going through right now. He knows tomorrow. We worry and stress about tomorrow so much. And yet, you know what? We have no clue, do we? Yesterday, we only partially remember yesterday. Even if you're young, you still only partially remember yesterday. Today, we have a vague you know, idea of what's going on. But you know what? None of us have a clue about tomorrow. None of us. Oh, yeah, I do. I, I've got to go to work. You don't know that that's even going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen in your life. I was sharing with somebody earlier this week about a bunch of things that they were just piling and just literally dogpiling upon him. He says, man, I, I feel like I'm overwhelmed. I just don't know what to do. And I told him, you know what? You don't know what next week is going to bring. You don't know what next week, but God does. And we can rest in him. And rather being weighed over and burdened by all of these things, man, why don't we cast our cares upon the Lord? Why don't we lay these things at his feet and then enter into his presence, enter into his fullness, enter into his joy? He says, oh, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Here's another one. First John chapter four. In first John chapter four. Another one we ought to have memorized. Put it on our refrigerator. Put it in our bathroom mirrors. You know, the Jews used to put it on their foreheads and their wrists. We can put it on our refrigerator. We'll see it just as often, I think. So, First John chapter 4, verse 4. You are of God, little children, and you've overcome them. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. We remember that portion of the verse, I think, more often. We say, he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. We remember that part. But what about the earlier part? You are of God, little children, and you've overcome them. Why? Because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. So we stand already victorious in Christ. Even the the simple words of the Savior, they ought to bring us a comfort if we allow our minds to go back there in the midst of an attack, in the midst of a struggle. In John chapter 16, verse 33, is where I want you to look. John chapter 16, verse 33. I'm going to read it to you in a different version, so you can look at it in your version and then see the difference here. John 16, verse 33. Jesus talking to his followers. He says, I've told you all this so that in trusting me, you will be unshakable, assured, and deeply at peace. In this godless world, you will continue to experience difficulties. But take heart, I've conquered the world. That's the only way that you and I can really have peace when the world is like, it's spinning so out of control. Just all the things that are going on. How in the world can you have peace in the midst of this? Because our peace isn't found in the circumstances that we're surrounded with. Our peace cannot be founded on the things of this world. Our peace is only found in Christ. Because you know what? Everything in this world, it falls apart. 
I mean, lives fall apart. Health fails. Finances go out the window. Jobs are shut down. Uh, relationships are broken. Anything and everything that you can see here in this world, man, it's only for a moment. It's a temporary thing. And if your peace is found in the circumstance that you find yourself, beloved, you're going to lose that peace. But if your peace is found in Christ, then in the midst of the circumstances, in the midst of the trials, you can still have peace. He says you'll be unshakable. You'll be assured. You'll be deeply at peace when we trust Him. Do you have issues and battles in your life? I don't know of anybody that doesn't. But like I said, some of them are greater than others. You have those issues that are particularly from bad decisions that you've made in the past, consequences of past sin. Understand, as we've said, they're all covered by the blood of Christ. His grace is more than sufficient for us. And we, when we commit our way before Him, when we trust Him in that journey, then we know according to His Word, He will give us strength in the midst of that battle. He will give us peace in the midst of the chaos. He'll give us victory over the struggle. And if you allow Him, just as He said, Old Testament and New, if you allow Him, He will fight that battle for you. Stand and see the salvation of the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. Over and over we see verses like this that just simply say, man, we, even as believers... Man, we fight, we struggle, we scratch, we try to to make things work. And so often the Lord is just saying, you know, if you just trust me, I'll bring to fruition those things within your life that need to be there. Look and listen how this fight goes with the children of Israel. They've got the Gibeonites. Doggone it, we've got the stinking Gibeonites. We were down at Gilgal. Everything was fine. We were settling in for the afternoon. Everything was peaceful. This little Gibeonite comes running in. You gotta come save us. So now we gotta rally all the troops. We gotta march all night long and we gotta go into a battle. Wasn't planning on doing a battle tonight, but because of the Gibeonites, oh yeah, that was my fault, wasn't it? I made the deal with the Gibeonites. Okay, so Lord, what do we do with this? Look at what it speaks here. Verse, we're back in Joshua 10. So in verse 10 of Joshua 10, so the Lord routed them, all the kings of the Amorites. Do you see that? The Lord routed them before Israel and killed them with a great slaughter at Gibeon, chased them along the road that goes to Beth Horon. And struck them down as far as Azekah and Mechadah. And it happened as they fled before Israel and were on the descent of Beth Horon that the Lord cast down large hailstones from heaven on them as far as Azekah and they died. There were more who died from the hailstones than the children of Israel killed with the sword. Did you catch this? They go and they've got a battle, have to fulfill this thing because of my own sin, my own consequences of my life. And yet, even in the midst of that, when I submitted to the Lord, the Lord went and fought the battle for him. He fought the battle for him, gave them great victory. And even that part 
these large hailstones that fell from heaven. I'm just thinking, I wonder when the last time large hailstones came down. You know, if you live in the Midwest, you live in Colorado, you get hailstorms all the time. But I wonder at this point in place here, something supernatural that God did. How large of a hailstone does it take to kill you? Well, you know, we've had hailstorms here in the United States, you know, like uh, you know, baseball size. Get one of those things hit you on the head. I think it caused some hurt on you. What did the Lord do? He brought a supernatural storm along the way and started knocking down the enemy and knocking him down and knocking him down and knocking him down until there were more killed with the hailstones than with the swords. And Israel was a mighty army. That just absolutely blows me away. Do you sometimes feel like you're not quite powerful enough for the enemy that comes against you? Do you feel that you don't quite have the strength for the battle that's in front of you? Let me give you uh, just a word, a word of knowledge, if you would. You're not powerful enough. You'll lose most of the time in your own strength. But our God is more than able. God is the powerful one in this. You've got five kingdoms of Amorites that have joined together here to come against them. And Israel goes up in a hopes to protect the Gibeonites. And what happens? God fights the battle for them. It's amazing that the Lord did so easily, surpassing anything that man could do. That needs to sink into us a little bit, particularly the next time that, that we try struggling, we try conniving how to get through a particular situation in our life. We need to remember our God is able. You're facing a difficult time in your life, a difficult situation. Let me encourage you to do something really strange, really peculiar, really odd. Lay it before the Lord and walk away from it. Now, if there's something you need to do, I mean, you know, don't stop working and say, well, I'm not going to work. He's going to take care of all my finances. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that there are issues in our lives that, beloved, we worry about, we struggle about. And the Lord just says, you know, if you'd lay that before me, I'll take care of that thing. But so often we don't take the time to lay it. Or you lay it down and then you go and you pick it up and you look at it again and then you got to lay it back down and you pick it back up and you look at it again. And then you lay it back down. You know, and the Lord said, leave it there. Just leave it there and I'll take care of it for you. Let's look what else we've got going. Verse 12. Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand still over Gibeon and moon in the valley of Ajalon. And so the sun stood still and the moon stopped until the people had revenged upon their enemies. And he goes on to say, is this not written in the book of Jasher? And so the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. And there has been no day like that before it or after it that the Lord heeded the voice of a man for the Lord fought for Israel. Now, we thought that the hailstorms were pretty powerful, pretty amazing. But this is an absolutely powerful event in the life and in the history of Israel. It was an actual, supernatural, amazing, mind-blowing, reality-altering event. The Lord heeded the voice of a man. 
Most of us have heard the story of the walls of Jericho falling down. We remember this story from Sunday School. This is just one of many events David will be bringing fresh insights to as we study the book of Joshua together. We're sure today's message has been a blessing to you. Maybe you'd like to get a copy of today's message. Here's Tracy with all the information you need. Life these days moves fast. From one appointment to the next, most of us race through our days with blinding speed. Those in-between moments are great opportunities to connect with God by hearing from Him. To hear more encouraging words from God's Word through the ministry of Pastor David, go to TheOpenWord.com and click on the Teachings page. Thanks, Tracy. Again, to secure your own copy of today's message, simply log on to TheOpenWord.com and select the Teachings page. You can also give us a call if you'd like. That number to call is 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Another option to get in touch with us is to send us an email. Our email address is info at theopenword.com. Once again, you've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel in Casa Grande, Arizona. In the next edition of The Open Word, David will continue teaching through the Word of God. So please make plans to join us again, and may God richly bless you. Make us more.